This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Time now for Washington Reports. In the United States, of course, they are celebrating Labor Day today, but it looks like that'll be dampened by the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, which hit the northeastern states and claimed at least 50 lives so far. We still have reports that more are missing. Pictures and videos circulating on social media showing the devastation of the Category 4 hurricane. That's the second most damaging one since Hurricane Katrina in 2005. Scenes of roads and subways flooded. You've got, you know, transportation grind to a halt. Ida's 150-mile-per-hour winds crippled a Louisiana electric grid that was already vulnerable from aging transmission lines and damage caused by three hurricanes that hit last year. It's also prompted U.S. President Joe Biden to promise federal aid to storm-ravaged Louisiana. The president plans to travel to New Jersey and New York to survey the storm damage following a similar visit to the Gulf Coast on Friday. Meanwhile, the state of Texas has become the center of controversy after it passed a new law last week uh, banning abortions, the most restrictive anti-abortion law in the country. The law essentially bans abortions after six weeks of pregnancy and uniquely allows private citizens to bring suit against abortion providers. President Joe Biden called the law and the conservative-leaning Supreme Court's decision to let it stand an unprecedented assault on constitutional rights. Let's get the latest on this with U.S. Bureau Chief for the Straits Times, Nirmal Ghosh. Nirmal, good morning. Thanks for helping us out with this. Uh, Let's start off with uh, Hurricane Ida. A lot of people making comparisons uh, between Hurricane Ida and Hurricane Katrina. Uh, What are the key differences we're looking at here and were the affected states more, perhaps more prepared this time? Good morning. Hurricane Ida made landfall in Louisiana on August the 29th as a Category 4 hurricane, but a very high Category 4 with sustained wind speeds of 240 kilometers per hour. Ida picked up intensity very fast. One theory is this is because the waters are warmer. Katrina, on the other hand, was a Category 5, but had weakened slightly to a Category 3 at landfall. But the storm surge Katrina produced inundated a lot of the city of New Orleans, and not only because it was a very major storm surge, but because the coastal ecosystem had been altered, replacing natural coastal buffers, like extensive wetlands, for example. It had been re-engineered, and that human-engineered infrastructure failed. Critical levees that protect the city failed. Now, since then, a lot of it has been upgraded, The federal government has spent something like $14.5 billion on levees, pumps, seawalls, floodgates and drainage and so forth. And that did pay off. But nothing much was done about the electricity grid. And that was badly hammered by Ida. One million people were without power for three days. As for the human damage, the death toll from Ida so far is at least 50. From Katrina, of course, it was more than 1,800. So a big difference there. But of course, in another similarity, it was poorer people who suffered the most. This became evident not just in New Orleans, but this year as well in Queens in New York, where at least eight people are known to have been killed in basements, and most of those illegally let out. In cities like New York, rents are so high that many, many people can only afford basements. Certainly people like immigrants who work in, say, the car repair shops, the restaurants and so forth in Queens. 
All right, uh, Nirmal, let's talk about how, you know, potentially the devastation from Hurricane Ida could boost Joe Biden's infrastructure spending campaign. We, what I mean by that is, I mean, are we looking forward to seeing authorities perhaps move quicker, you know, in some of these states? Um, take, for example, Louisiana, considering the damage, you know, should we see more urgency perhaps? It certainly supports the rationale for the infrastructure bill, a lot of which is about climate resilience. We heard White House senior advisor Cedric Richmond a few hours ago saying this is why Congress needs to approve the spending $3.5 trillion legislation. These once-in-a-century storms are starting to come almost every other year, he said. Earlier, the president also pitched the infrastructure bill, saying it is a matter of life and death. Now, one obvious requirement is to overhaul the electricity grid, Much of the state of Louisiana certainly still has overhead wiring. Then there would be money for the Northeast, cities like New York and Boston, to upgrade their barrier and drainage infrastructure. Certainly when you see the New York subway look like a series of waterfalls on social media, it gets wider attention. But back to the infrastructure bill, the president still has to deal with the senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin, for example, who opposes spending so much money. So yes, this disaster will focus the mind, but getting this infrastructure package through is still very politically complex. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Normal. Since you mentioned that, right, I, I want to circle back to, to the point on the conversation. Do you think that this event now, you know, with more awareness that we have, do you, what does it do in terms of changing or improving the conversation on climate change? It will help further motivate the federal government and some state governments as well, some politicians, to do more in terms of adaptation. It is beginning to sink in that global warming is here. We are in it. So we must strengthen infrastructure for resilience and we must adapt in different ways as well. Big coastal cities, as we know, are at serious risk, exacerbated by the fact we have built them up so much. Manhattan Island for example, was once a wetland, which is why when rain from the remnants of Ida hit New York City, the water just gushed into the subway. Even now, some sections are still closed. Now, those that deny climate change has anything to do with it will almost always continue to insist there is no irrefutable evidence of a climate linkage to these disasters and so forth. But they will likely be more and more in the minority. All right, we're on the line with uh, Straits Times U.S. Bureau Chief Nirmal Ghosh, and it's time to turn to our next issue, Nirmal, where we move the southeast to Texas, where the state has just passed an anti-abortion law. Uh, first, I- I've seen some celebrities on Instagram post about this law. Could you tell us more about it, and could we see more, perhaps, conservative states start to follow in this direction? Right. So this law bans abortions once cardiac activity can be detected in the embryo, which typically occurs around the sixth week of pregnancy. That is very early in a pregnancy, when many women may not even know they are pregnant or have just maybe two weeks after they discover it, in which to figure out that she might want an abortion and some may not have the money to do it so soon, they can't raise the money, all the rest of it. Also, the law does not make exceptions for rape or incest. It does permit abortions for health reasons, but the exceptions are very narrow. Health providers also will likely be very conservative about interpreting this law because they don't want to cross the line. And that comes to the creative part. Now, a lot of states have tried to do this to enact similar laws, but they have not so far managed 
because those who want to stop them sue the enforcers who are government officials on constitutional grounds. But this law in Texas is very creative. It bars state officials from actually enforcing it. Instead, it incentivizes people to tell on a woman who is getting an abortion, even to the point that perhaps a taxi driver taking a woman to an abortion clinic can report her and get $10,000 as a reward. The law deputizes private citizens to sue anyone who performs an abortion or aids and abets a procedure. Even someone who has no connection to the patient, like a taxi driver again, can sue the patient and the clinic and get $10,000 if they win. So incredibly restrictive for women. As to what led to it, that's a story of the deep cultural divide in America, which is always in a state of tension between conservative religious America and progressive America, very much at the heart of the tensions within the United States as a nation. Abortion rights have long been a target for religious conservatives. Remember, President Donald Trump said he was going to stack the judiciary with conservative judges, and he did, changing the balance on the Supreme Court, tilting it towards the conservative. That is one of his most enduring legacies. Now, the ultimate target is Roe versus Wade, Roe v. Wade, as it is called, the 1973 decision establishing a woman's constitutional right to get an abortion. Now, at least five on the nine-member bench are seen as ready to overturn Roe v. Wade, but it has not come to that yet. Meanwhile, however, what Texas has done is find a way around Roe v. Wade, and this will very likely serve as a blueprint for other Republican-run states to do the same. Nirmal, I mean, you describe potentially the kind of divide that we'll see. I mean, could you expand more a little bit about how this could further divide America? Perhaps is there anything you know, where polls are concerned that might indicate such a divide? It definitely deepens the divide. It's a big thing for religious conservatives and evangelicals, pro-life Americans. And for the other side of the culture gap, this is the worst thing to happen for women since 1973 even if it is still currently only in Texas. Without a doubt, the divide will become more toxic. And this comes at a time when polls show 49.1% disapprove of President Biden's job performance compared to only 46.9% who approve. And among Republicans, the disapproval figure is 82%. This is similar to the gap, the chasm during the Donald Trump administration. So none of the bitterness has gone away and this will only further deepen it. All right, thank you so much for that. We've been speaking with Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief for The Straits Times. Nirmal, we will catch up with you again next week. You take care and stay safe. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.